praise Tarn question mark? Yeah, praise Tarn forever. Oh, uh, this guy, I don't know. I don't know if I praise this guy. This guy's kind of like <laughs> the, the jerk at the bouncer door. Get out of my way. I got business. Tarn is Tarn, and we love him. Mm. Welcome to the X-Wife Podcast. I'm Alicia. And I am a former praiser of Tarn. left Tarn's side left his church oh shoot i don't know i i (laughs) i'm happy to see my guy spoilers abound (laughs) hey it's a podcast hey we're here to talk about comics which comics let me tell you wow uh our digi this week is x-men unlimited number 123 and our two tangies are x-force number 48 and Resurrection of Magneto number one. Here for the resis. But first, we've got a little bit of news to handle. News, 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 news. There's actually not a whole lot in terms of news other than a handful of covers revealed that variant for Emma wearing an Iron Man suit that... Has a dangerous variant in this house. Broke Alicia's mind and guided some actions forward uh, along with some serendipitous luck yeah. in the world. Yeah, some stuff happened. Mystery, intrigue, More abound. things might happen. Three X-related vampire variants gearing up for Blood Hunt. Ooh. So some classic throwback covers in, in the style of these covers, but with modern twists of our characters in their places, right? So you have a, a vampiric wolverine stalking Jean Grey from Ooh. above. You have a... a Emma Frost about to drive the stake into Tony's heart yes. as he lays on the altar. And, of course, the the Miss Marvel gorgeous variant mm-hmm. from Lee Garbett that we've seen him develop over the last few weeks, finally revealed by Marvel. So good. Yeah, these are dope. And they're all in conjunction with Blood Hunt. You maybe were there for the panel or you ran? I think I snuck out at that point to go to the cosplay contest. All you need to know is vampires, exclamation point, blood, blood, blood. Is that what Bloodstorm is related to? Um, Or is that different? That's different, but also similar. Bloodstorm is a vampire version of Storm from an alternate universe. Okay. There you go. All right. Well, I feel like, did I not see a comic about that coming out on the internet or a cover? I don't know. Or maybe someone was just posting about an old thing. There you go. So (laughs) the Blood Hunt actually recently announced that there will be a Red Band version of it, a mature audiences only. Marvel really digging into the blood-obsessed, the the gore, the the horror of its titles and how that's been successful in various ways. And Mm. I think having this alternative for those that are, you know... Not as squeamish as I am, potentially. <laughs> no, I, I was interested. I was probably going to pick up the main story of Blood Hunt, just because that's generally what I do for Marvel-wide crossovers. Just mm-hmm. get the main, get a flavor of what's going on. And if there's something I want to catch up with later on, check that out on Marvel Unlimited. With this promise of extra gore and blood, I probably would have to go with the Red Band version, the mm. the bagged so you can't see what's inside version. Ooh. Right. Yeah, yeah. They're really like trying to keep the kids yeah. away. And that is it brings us kind of back to that conversation we were having. Sure. Um, sure. You know, about the the most violent comic you've ever read kind of thing. And it does it is 
intriguing, right? Like this forbidden Is idea. Is there a thirst like, for it? You can't know what's in here until you buy it because it's so bad. It's like... 18 plus only. Well, I have to buy it. Yeah, then. right. Now I need to know. I think it's time. I think it's time to... Like We've been dancing around it and it tees up a relevant question in the general questions. Miss Marvel, mm-hmm. the Marvels, yes, the post-credit scene. Okay, yes, it's fair. We, we can talk about it, it now. It's out there. Yeah. If you haven't watched the movie, you've seen the spoilers abound. Beast, yeah, is revealed. Not only Beast, but also Monica's mom, canonically, mm-hmm. is Captain Marvel, binary in the costume yes. in whatever universe Wherever Monica they are. has yeah. landed. And so the idea being. We see beasts, we see furry beasts, we see CGI furry beasts. It was actually mm. really beautifully done. A lot of back and forth of should Kelsey Grammer be the prosthetic beast or the CGI beast? I think that CGI beast is really hammering at home. And especially yeah, if that it's... saves, you know, Kelsey's getting up there in mm. age. If that saves him some time of being in the chair with all the makeup, that yeah. was the large driving force of Jennifer Lawrence's yeah. anger around being mystique and, and not wanting to continue in that character, or at least in full body form. Right. That's why she wears the X uniform in the later movies. But we're talking about Beast. Warline wants to know, would you rather have Beast on the Avengers, X-Men, or both in the MCU? Because we don't know. We assume, right? We, mm-hmm. we assume the background, the look... It feels like the under side of the mansion. It feels yeah, like the it lower felt very levels. Excellent to me. Right. It feels like the the doors of Cerebro. It feels very much but we don't know. These two have both been Avengers. I feel like I would rather have him be an X-Men and maybe he has a working relationship with the Avengers, but I just feel like if we're going to do it, if we're going to go there, if we're going to put Beast in the MCU, we're going to talk about X-Men characters in the MCU, like, let's just have them have their own start in their own place and mm. not... If he's an Avenger, then it feels like, okay, now we have one mutant in the MCU and then we're going to drag this out till we get the next one and the next one. And, like, I don't necessarily want that kind of well, journey for myself. Sure, sure, sure. We don't know how, you know, we see this one different universe, mm-hmm. right? And that's all the mutants, technically, other than the hinted at Miss Marvel. Right. All the mutants that we've actually seen on screen have been from other universes. And so are they a part of that universe's X-Men or that universe's Avengers? Are they pulled in as big brains in some capacity of an Illuminati type way? Well, if we're thinking about, Especially like, with incursions. which universe... I'm pretty sure there's a line of something about like Charles is going to be mad or Charles is going to be upset or something in that post credit scene. Charles is mentioned. I I feel like I remember and I have to go back and look at it. Cannot confirm. Cannot confirm. Waiting for Disney Plus to get its stuff together. But if that is the case, then it cannot be the universe we've seen before because that Charles Xavier is dead. Time is irrelevant. Don't. She listen, right? Listen, Marvel just announced a new timeline order, including the Netflix shows, and yeah, yeah, yeah. that that Whoa. is in the timeline before, like, before the Marvels. The Marvels is the end of the timeline, so theoretically, that time what I just said is real, and it does matter. Okay, time in terms of like interdimensional travel, and that's the part that like I don't know how. Uh, that... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Please stop. 
Hey, <laughs> do you have any personal news that you'd like yes, to share? Yes, I do. I have personal news in the form of a low and a high because I wanted to share some news, but I also wanted to share something uplifting. <laughs> so the low is that uh, we're recording a little bit later than we would have this week because I got some unfortunate news in my recovery and it's not really apparently it's not new news it's just news that I didn't fully understand at the beginning in that like the entire course of my recovery in me feeling 100% back to myself would take a year from surgery where I was thinking that like my four to six month timeline by the end of that maybe a month or two after I would be back to my 100% so that's uh that was a little disheartening this week and but on a high note I have got I've got a couple quick facts. I was looking at this because every week I like re- just refresh my notes, like I erase what I had the week before and write the new thing. And last week I wrote, "I'm almost done with novel number two of January of of 2024." Now I'm almost done with novel number three. Hey, hey. Look at me go! Wow! And unstoppable. I got myself a new Peggy Carter shield. Wow! Because it was 54 percent off on wow. Amazon. What? Wow! And. I may or may not be making a Tony, uh, Emma Frost, Iron Man suit. I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, we know what you're doing. We know what you're doing. We see <laughs> we see you telegraphing your plays, and we're all like, yeah, well, let's go. I know. I was thinking about it, and then uh, Justin and I were having a conversation about it, and he said, there's no way, because I said, that's going to take so long. And he said, yeah, by the time you finish it, maybe the costume won't even be relevant anymore. And I said, is that a challenge? <laughs> and then I went to work that day, and we were doing like this big cleanup out of all of our supplies in our workshop and my boss was like hey Alicia do you want any of this for your cosplay and it was like a giant stack of metallic silver sticky vinyl and I was like yes I do thank you universe my personal news I got to have a really great day yesterday with a bunch of different groups of friends I just been one of my intentions for 2024 is to reach out to friends and to you know make sure that I am having opportunities to hang out with people mm-hmm. that I have drifted from in the last couple of years around COVID, but haven't seen as often as I normally would or would like to. So it was really great to hang out with two different groups of friends in very different activities throughout the day. I was socially exhausted at the end of the <laughs> yeah. day and just wanted to pass out. Social and, battery drain. Right. But now we're talking comics and then we have D&D with yet a third group of friends. Look at us go. What an amazing weekend. I also started going to the gym. Yes. Which was really exciting and has felt really great and is all a part of Justin going into second gear. Oh, no. (laughs) To borrow a phrase from One Piece. And that has become uh, very specific on how I'm identifying my progress throughout the year. It's very exciting. Like, whatever works. That's dope. I love that. I love it. Honestly, (laughs) very excited. Second gear. I mean, for anybody following along the One Piece journey, I finished Eni's Lobby. And that's all I'll say. That's all I'll say. Are you ready for a poll? I am ready for a poll. Two entries, mm. one winner. Resurrection of Magneto and X-Force. Who won by what percentage? Resurrection of Magneto, 96%. Wow, no thought. Just out with it. <laughs> and she's wrong. <gasps> Resurrection of Magneto obviously won. It wasn't 96%? was not 96%. It was 81%. Okay. The number of responses to the poll that I got... That were like, who's voting for X-Force in these numbers? Which, I mean... <laughs> That's why I went so high with Resurrection hard. of Magneto. Because yeah. I figured... Well, and it's interesting because I've seen both sides. A lot of people felt like Resurrection of Magneto was overwhelming. 
with the amount of big picture and or or some just didn't connect with the material and what that did mm. others you know i assume that there are people that vote in the poll that only read the one book that they're reading that they vote for and then they vote for that book right that makes sense uh, and and also not to say this finally having the the tease of this years long epic narrative that ben percy has been pending penning having come to some type of hinted at end with you know the, the new guy mm. it, it's it's exciting i don't know in my mind it already ended sure sure <laughs> i mean it's in, over we're moving on in wolverine's mind it's already ended yeah. because he's months ahead i know i'm identifying is, with logan and it's scary yeah that is uh, a lot of people's reaction to pacing and underwhelming nature of like okay i guess we're gonna dance out this for another couple of issues we'll maybe see maybe we will maybe we will we'll see we got some general questions okay First, I want to give a shout out to Furious, the hip hop sommelier, who like he sent us some messages about pairing wines with X books based on what we're reading this week. Mm -hmm. And I just I love this as a concept. So this week, an Aussie Shiraz should add some pepper flavors to the somber resurrection and X Force undertones. And I selected a region of Middle Australia. I select I suspect will be obliterated into nothingness by Stark Tech in two weeks, Mm. which is like like layers of reference to the comic books and just intrigue and interest. Yeah, it was really fun. That was really interesting. Uh, It makes me want to go and find. An Aussie Shiraz. You know, I'm not too big of a wine guy. If there's wine in the house, I'll probably drink it. Right. But, right. Then I don't drink. So, <laughs> but I was like, I love this. I love when people have a passion and yes. it combines with their comic reading. Like, as we get into um, Resurrection of Magneto, I'm just getting into tarot and like the the connections and the mm, the little bits of info that you get when you know a little bit more about the yeah, references. It's just adding in layers to the understanding. Yeah. I also just want to go into his his joy over Firestar and having been a good fake trader. Why is she so good at this? Why does she, you know, yeah. does she need some wine? Girl needs to relax. She's been putting in a lot of work. Yeah, yeah. I was... Talking to him about this a little bit back and forth, saying that like it'd be really interesting to kind of see what the aftermath for Firestar is like because yeah. she doesn't have a space really to decompress and she's dealing with so much. And I think that taking so much of the weight of the responsibility because of you know what happens next because of the assignment that Jean gave her. Yeah. So I just would be really interested to see like what happens to her mentally when this is all over. Captain 2 Michael wants to know if we think the mutants will go for the AI god play. And this is something that Michael and I were talking back and forth about maybe like a week or so ago with using fighting fire with fire. Mm. Like kind of responding to what Enigma is doing, what the robots are doing, and, and finding a way to whether it's data from Cerebro, whether it's data from... And would they enact some kind of mutant AI, especially also linking with you know Warlock and his technologies? It's ironic that i'm occasionally reading more issues of hellions just Mm -hmm. as i continue this binge through that because i got to a data page about the council's stance on ai oh it's around when nanny finds the little baby and secret child that she brings back yeah and it's about how ai evolves itself it is 
not something that should be nurtured. It is not something yeah. that should be embraced. It is something that will inevitably be the downfall of it. And I just thought that that was a great undertone score to the mutants' response to the use of AI. And, yeah. and kind of makes me feel like they would stay as far away from AI as possible. Well, it's kind of making me think about, so you know our friend Dom, yep. and when he like wants to start reading a book series, he doesn't want to start reading until the series is complete so that he can like read the whole thing from start to finish. And though I am not saying by any means it would be easy to read the entirety of the Krakoan Age like start to finish, but when you think about it in that more of like a binging close proximity sense there are probably so many threads, things, hints, like little nuggets oh, that yeah. are in all of these issues that we've read like three years ago that just don't stick in our mind because they're just small details. But like when you get the chance to go back and see those things, it's so cool to see like how the X office has been building this thing and all the little things that they're thinking about that they've been thinking about that they like ruminate on and want to pull out that we just forgot about because... Right. You know, we have so many books to read and so many stories to keep straight. Yes. Speaking about so many books to read, so many stories to keep straight, J.P. DiDomaso wonders if we will ever get a Ten of Swords episode, seeing mm. as how the Krakoan era is coming to an end. Really calling us out, Joseph. And oh. I love it. I love it. I'm here for it. It's interesting because our friend Greg, who mm. I've talked about a couple times and how I've been going back and forth with him, he just reached... Ten of Swords. He bought ah. himself the trade paperback as a reward from reading everything digitally from Hoopla. So if you have a public library subscription, you can get a lot of comics for free through Hoopla. That's cool. Check that out. But uh, I've always, it's always been in the back of my mind that we need to do something for Ten of Swords because mm. of how big of a story it was to the Krakoan <laughs> era and uh. what it meant for the Iraqi mutants and how it was just lumped in with the, what, 55, 57 comics? Yeah, it was comic 55 comics that I read in like the span of a week. Yes, and it was to, to bring us current. So right. perhaps it's... Uh, you know. I'm just saying that if we ever did that, I would 1,000% have to, to read, read them oh, again. Absolutely. Because I couldn't, I don't, I don't know what happened. Sure, right, of course. And it doesn't feel important to me, so maybe I do need to read it again. <laughs> Kid Wolf, PJ says, we know that the Shi'ar Empire is taking in mutant refugee refugees, mm -hmm. right? We've seen this in Alpha Flight. What other space empires do we think is taking in any lost mutants? Mm. Now, that was kind of interesting. Uh, the first one that came to mind was the Kree Skrull. Yes, that's right? what I was going to say. Because of the ties through Wiccan and Hulkling mm -hmm. and just general sympathy for what's happening in erasing you know, part of that unit that is a part of their, their kind of hero base. Yeah. Uh, it, it's also interesting to remember and consider how many just random Iraqi warriors are out in space as right. pirates, especially with the tech that they secured from Beast's prison. Thanks a lot, Beast. Mm. I, I wonder if the Intergalactic Empire of Wakanda would... I don't know. I feel like Wakanda is like... A little, like, not my chair, not my problem yeah. right now. I mean, they've always been that. It's like, we don't need mutant medicine. We don't need mutant metal. Right. We don't need any of your stuff. We got our own thing. We're good. We're Wakanda. We don't need our king. <laughs> <laughs> We're fine without him. Going through some old stuff. All right. Are you ready for the Digi 
The Digi. The Digi of the day. X-Men Unlimited number 123. You know, it's interesting, John Proudstar, and, and we're talking about his pride, right? We're talking about him focusing more on wanting revenge for this attack, wanting a second round with Cruel versus Danny. Like, hey, we lost a lot of people that we were protecting. We also have a much larger threat as this issue really zooms out to... Mm -hmm what Danny's been doing and what she's connected with, which yeah. was amazing. <laughs> Wait, what? The X-Corps island. Oh, right. <laughs> and, and the fact that... <laughs> I was like, what am I she's, missing? <laughs> she's communicating with Betsy Braddock. Yes. Shatterstar comes like, in. Like, there, how there was excited so were much... you when Betsy showed up? Were you like, where's Rachel? Well, yeah, yeah I don't know. <laughs> excited. Eh, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see how it pans out. Because, I mean, in general, physical reactions to X-Corps about. Yeah, you yeah. Know, I was like, it's a mixed. It's, it's a bit of a mixed bag. But I also love that that's there's this thing that everyone was like, no, no, X Corp, get out of here. And right. then like that's sort of like the in world mindset also. So like everyone has like brushed it to the side and doesn't really care about it. And it's actually like a perfect place for secret headquarters, which I think is now really there's this cool. floating island above, hidden. All right. Krakoa 2.0, let's get it. I like that there are like little sub teams forming within the larger team yeah. here. But I also like I'm I I was reading that issue and I was like, okay, sit down, Thunderbird. Like I'm <laughs> done. Like take a take a chill pill, that's, my friend. That's him though. I know. I in, know in that's like his whole thing. A hothead. You know that that was essentially why. Well, we don't need Thunderbird and Wolverine. <laughs> <laughs> but he's like. Hothead is so not just what he is. It's understating, like, yeah. He is like hot, hot, I was going to say hot body, but that's not what I meant. <laughs> like, he's just like entirely like a flame just, or he's like on the verge of exploding constantly. And he has sure. no, like once he's amped up, there's no bringing him back down to reality. And like, he was like, I understand war. It was good to keep Warpath there to like have somebody on the home base. But I was like, stop being so mean to your brother. Stop being such a jerk. Stop thinking like you're the only one who can solve the problems, bro. You've been gone and people been doing it we've without been, you. We've been fine. So Thank you. I was a little bit like, take a seat. Yeah. I don't uh, know if it's that like the one detail that has been solidified about his character and they just kind of ran with it. Yeah. It's like a little much, though. It, it was cool to see Philip Zebby back on art uh, and to yeah. see this new design for Shatterstar that yeah. really calls back to a lot of Shatterstar's classic look, mm. but with some update and the beard. The ruggedness. The, yeah. I just feel like the ruggedness is like every every X character should have like At a little point, bit of that. Like X weeks later, uh, you didn't shave. Yeah. You know, like you need the gristle. Your hair is long. You're kind of dirty. Do you know who this is at the end? Not a clue. This man, mysterious man, hinting at something larger than Orcus, something. No. This is Gideon. Okay. One of the externals. You know who the externals are, kind of tying back to Ten of Swords, mm -hmm. which is really the only time that we've addressed the external mutants, mm. who you know, I think it was really well stated at that point where Apocalypse basically says everyone has achieved our powers mm. you know through Krakoan science through what we've done with mutant magic they're all able to traverse the world through gates and to resurrect themselves through the five mm -hmm. and they have joined into their own legion unto themselves and I thought that, that was really interesting but curious to see what Gideon's up to and also yeah. like how all these guys have come back I don't know if this is because the external gate was destroyed mm. 
Yeah, I think the, the thing for me was that we thought from from previous issues of this that the externals were kind of working with Orcus, and then we see an external hijack an Orcus prison, like, transport and take the mutants. It's like, okay, so they're not really working with them, which is kind of what the other external was, like, arguing about, even though it kind of seemed like they were working together. So I'm a little – I'm intrigued by where this is going, and I like that we're – we're taking the approach of of these sub teams going and doing these different things because now for this storyline to have so many issues I think that that's going to give us the opportunity to bounce between where we are and whose story we're telling within this larger narrative which I'm excited about yeah yeah absolutely also shout out to El Algula one of the the, the characters that's been captured in Madrid mm. right with this team of Orcus agents. I, I thought that was an interesting, not only shot of him, but also this image of him getting shot off the building mm. was kind of cool stylistically in the perspective. I think this title is really allowing us to pick up a lot of the little deep cut mutant pieces mm-hmm. that were teased up by both of the Steves, our writers. So given credits, written by Steve Fox and Steve Orlando, art by Philip Sevy. Colors, Yen Nitro. Letters, Travis Lanham. VCs, Travis Lanham. Next, the external threat revealed. So we'll get we'll get a little bit more info on what's going on behind the scenes on Monday. Mm-hmm. It's time to talk X-Force number 48. X-Force number 48. Shoot this fool in the face. Kill the beast. It's funny that it's target beast and yet... You all are the ones being targeted. I think I need to re uh, repost my Kill the Beast. Almost did it the reel. other day. Almost <laughs> did it the other day just because of this experience. Like this reveal of everyone on the other side of this in, in part one of Sabretooth War kind of deflates the stakes for this. Mm. Kind of what a lot of people are talking about. And it just See, it feels... I feel very differently about that. Well, so we know what is the other side. We've seen... Who makes it out of this, quote unquote? But that is with the idea that this beast is after the X-Force team. And I don't think that that's what he's after. And so I like to say they make it out. Like, I don't think he's their target. He came to the base, so you say, took what he wanted and left. So you're saying that he's still at large at the beginning of Sabretooth War? Yeah. Or like... Well, I don't want to get, I don't know. I kind of feel like right now I'm about to give my entire like overall thoughts. But what I got from this was that he's still out there and we have this other setup of like what's going to happen, who of these two beasts is going to end up being our final beast. But from the fact that he came to the base, he snuck around, his intent was to take what he wanted and leave, that he has other plans. He's not after the X-Force team. He's he's he... well, the X Force team is after him. No, they're not. Uh, yes, they are. At the end of this, it seems like that's they're going about, and they that has always been their goal is to clean up this mess that is of X Force. Yeah, but they're using the other beast to clean up the mess. Ineffectively, yes. Well, that's their goal. Anyway, right. anyway, yeah. we'll we'll talk about it as yep. we talk about the issue. So there's a cover. It's got Beast. He's in a target. He looks angry. Page turn noise. I do love the fact that so I, I just I imagine Beast also heard the telepathic call from Quentin. Mm. 
right? Okay, that answers my question. How he found this base, how he knew where they were. I love the amount of tech that he has here. This Krakoan bio round, seemingly non-lethal because we get Omega mm-hmm. Red later back in the issue. We see him on upcoming covers. These flip-flops made from Krakoan technology, Krakoan biofluoronics underneath them so it doesn't set off the mapping security wow, system. you got so much from those images. Do you see the underside of his I flip-flops? I did, but I, I do now, but I did not before this moment. Right, so that's so... these. Because there's no dialogue, I feel like that's what I normally do is I, I zoom in on the panels. Mm-hmm. And especially if I'm reading digitally. digitally, I can zoom in even further naturally. But this infiltration and how much of his tech he's using and how much he levels up his tech by the end of the experience, mm-hmm. really cool. As much as I, you know, I'm here for his death, really cool. Yes. He's, he's a good villain, but he's a villain. Yes, for sure, for sure. <laughs> to call back to Greg again... So he's he's at the beginning. Mm-hmm. So he's like, ah, you know, I'm hopeful that Beast is abandon all hope, Greg. Just let it go, <laughs> he's man. He's just he he's a bad guy. It's not gonna happen he, for you the way man. you want it to. Well, we're here at our title page. Freeze out. Game recognizes game. Written by Benjamin Percy. Art by Robert Gill. Colors Guru EFX. Letters Joe Caramagna. BC Joe Caramagna. Daniel Acuna on the cover. The reminder seen in last issue of Wolverine here. The fact that this all takes place before the Sabretooth War. Mm-hmm. Before the fall of the House of X. Yes. Just to We love a good Wolverine. timeline note. Yeah, that's great. It's helpful. Uh, also, we skipped over it because it's the only amount of uh, sight and or impact that North Star and Aurora have on this issue. They're there. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah. Moving on. <laughs> like That's just kind of weird that like we made this two-page song and dance to introduce these three characters into the fold. And I mean, I get it that they're not a part of X-Force. Mm-hmm. And just because they're there would they be welcomed into this but it just kind of it's odd we're talking small talk shares we're we're enjoying the the area as much as we can but <laughs> we have some some feedback you know it'd be nice tom wants better food well yeah some you know it's a war camp sorry we don't have any of the the salties that you want for the soup sage wants a drink which i think is a good callback to some demons that she has wrestled mm-hmm. with across this arc and she's acknowledging that that's still a difficulty for her. That's still a challenge for her. Yeah. And then the security alarms go off. Yeah. And the way, like the fear in Sage's yeah. face and just the, where she goes. It's so cool to see how like you think that this fear is based on the fact that Beast is back. But it's really because she's afraid that he knows her secret. That yeah. he's there for this other thing. Yeah. And But he's not. Right. And so she's like... I'm going to go in one direction. Black Tom, you go in another direction. And and he's a little bit confused because he's like, why are you, where are you this, going? This, this is the threat. What else what could you, be more important what than this? What are you doing? Being secretive, this this preview image that we've seen before, this Krakoan battle suit for Beast as the team meets him. You know, it's good to see you. Mm-hmm. Don't die. Mutant kind needs us. It makes me wonder what he's been up to since the gala. Yeah. You know, like but he's, he's just been like stalking around, stalking waiting for around, his moment, I feel. Building up his tech. Yeah. Ready to make his move. Because as much as we acknowledge that he is a bad guy to X Force, he operates with Krakoa's best interests in mind, or at least he believes he does. Mm-hmm. Even though he generally ends up getting us in more trouble than it's right. worth, right. he is acting with the intention of 
benefiting the mutant people as a whole. Right. And this is where I was saying that I feel like the X-Force team is not his target because he comes here, he sneaks in, he gets some data that he needs, he finds this war suit, he puts it on, they happen to come face to face with them, with him, and then he's like, all right, bye. Yeah, yeah. I'm not saying that he's targeting them, but they have been targeting him. He doesn't care what they're up to. He, they are beneath him. He's not worried about them. He doesn't even think that they have a shot at taking him down. Right. And I, I feel like they haven't really been thinking a lot about him in the last few issues. I don't know. I mean, like the, sure, in the la, in like the most recent few issues, but how long ago were the, the ghost calendars where we battled beasts throughout time? And then yeah, it, it just feels like he has rested. This plot has rested because we've been dealing with the fallout from all of the destruction of the fall of X and even just assembling this team back together. Right. But I feel like part of the idea was that like, we're just not going to go after beast because we can use him as a fall guy. We can use him as a, as throw a blame. Up. Yeah. Thrown all under beast. But anyway, Sage is like, okay, well it's good. You know, he came, he took the suit, but like, I've got this other thing that I feel like I can't really keep from you all anymore. Well, Wolverine so, sniffs it out, right? Yeah. And he, he presses, what are you hiding? Why mm -hmm. are you hiding it? Sage doesn't try to lie to him at all. Right. And is very upfront. Hey, um, here's this beast clone hidden in a no place tumor that he would not be able to access sort apparently. of saved this right? without telling you all that i saved holding it holding on to it let's talk it out some deliberations as wolverine is adamantly against the thought but has failed in hunting him down otherwise as mm -hmm. sage politely points out right the the mindset that sage has is like at this point the only way to take down beast is for beast to take down beast right and we have this other backup of him and I, I feel like that conversation like we've all known that this version of beast was the one that was stored and this version of beast was going to come back at some point there was a data page about it that really mm -hmm. placed it up in our minds and said hey i'm putting this here i'm going to play with it later it you know right. so many alliterations so many allusions to it being the Chekhov's gun of this title mm -hmm. it is the thing that was teed up to be and and we were all kind of expecting okay is this how we get out of maniacal beast right how do we, we end up with the version that we need at the end of all of this and i think it's really interesting to compare the visual aesthetic and heart of this beast and the first introduction in the mcu of beast and how they are very similar mm. in their their look their causes what side they're on you know yeah all to go toward the conversation of synergy. Mm -hmm. So we've got, you know, we've got some angsty feelings about bringing this version of Beast online. But in the end, we decide to do it. And Sage, Sage. Yeah. Do not. Do not throw Weapon X around like some kind of silly little insult. Like as something that he did to himself. Right. Right? That that was just throwing was like, trauma in your face. I was like, okay, Sage, I'm on your side. I'm on your side. And then she said that and I was like, girl, yeah. um, this page that's of her, kind of mean. Yeah. This page of her going through all of his, or at least the highlight reel of mm. his transgressions and this one panel at the bottom of this page where she 
like this reminds me of a panel of beasts mm. where he points to his head like this and he's thinking and it, it's because she's putting herself in the in mindset his, of yeah. beast right what would beast do even her her weird smile she's yeah. like you know this is this is a beast thing he, mm-hmm. he does beast things and he thinks he's above everything yeah it's a sketchy plan yes and no I'm kind of on board with the plan. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I'm on board with it. It's just a sketchy plan. And especially as we see how it works out. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, but I think it's interesting the the way that we have this animal instinct version of Beast. Like when he first is brought back online, this clone is brought to actually have consciousness and immediately just doesn't know where he is and lashes out and it takes that moment of, like he like it's like oh shoot did we resurrect the wrong beast like is this guy just gonna tear us all down but then it's really more that he's just afraid right. and he needs that moment and that second to be anchored into where he is now and to calm down for a second you know it's just weird flipping through these pages and thinking about laura says nothing mm-hmm in this whole exchange, Laura, the the person who has a second version of mm-hmm. herself existing currently, a third if you want to include Gabby, mm-hmm. you know, like, it just feels like she would have thoughts on this. But also maybe not because she's like, who am I as a clone to well, say a clone. that a second think... clone, but she, but yeah, but she is because technically Talon is, Talon went into the vault Sure. And I then mean, like they, they're all clones. They resurrected in Laura. In that sense, they're all clones. Right. But they resurrected Laura to to replace Talon. And then they find out that Talon, like, I don't know. I just feel like potentially this is a touchy subject for her and she just doesn't want to be involved. She's like, this is. It just felt like an I opportunity. I joined X-Force to do other things and this is not my. Point. It just felt like an opportunity for her to mm-hmm. share lived experience in relation to what the active conversation is that. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, you're right. Felt she like doesn't worth, say anything at doesn't all. Doesn't say anything at all throughout the entire issue. Kind of a, you know. Oh, my stars and garters, we've been waiting for the line after this just amazing fight sequence because this is the beast. He's not just the brains. Right. He is a fighter. Mm -hmm. He's got this weight. He's got this agility. He's super naked, just moving around in the shadows, making sure that he is able to essentially take down all of them. Right. And then Sage is like, hey, 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 can you help us? We want to be friends, but we're also going to put you in this prison cell real quick with the sleepiest guy around who spouts nonsense poor black tom man he's like he's like yeah let me just fall asleep and give you all the state secrets come on but also at the same time i'm kind of a little bit confused as to why they like if they know what version of beast they have and then they say will you help us the fact that they immediately lock him up like if i was that beast and you said i we brought you we brought you back to help us and we need your help and we trust in you to help us but we're gonna lock you up i would be like this is suspicious oh yeah why are you locking me up like i mean he hints at the fact that he knows all of the war crimes of beasts right so i get how could he know though they told him like like, in this conversation as he's talking to tom he is aware of the fact that he's being referred to as a war criminal. Mm-hmm. That So he right, knows he something. He doesn't know all the details, which is what he finds out. Sure. But I think it's interesting to have this, like, we've got this beast. He's he's doing things, like, physicality-wise, like, the way that he's standing and walking. And then he has this, like, very classic, like, 
I'm hanging upside down and having a philosophical conversation with you like moment for him to have that and you feel like good feelings about Beast inside and then he's like so this Krakoan tech like how does that work and Black Tom is like yeah we all have access to it. Well especially as he's getting to the point of so I guess you'll then just dispose of me after Mm. you get your information like he's not he's being given the situation as you could act and do whatever you want, and it would be in your benefit to do so. Because right. otherwise, they're going to kill you. Right. They are They are holding all the negative emotions that their beast is stirring up, and they're kind of transferring that to you and your potential to do those negative things. So they're being very cautious, very mm. apprehensive, and not wanting to give you any amount of freedom to be able to make the wrong choice and make them regret what they've done to right. bring you back. But then after he gets out and he goes and he sees all the things that this version of himself has done, he sheds a tear. It's so impactful. Oh, Hank. Like, I, What I, have I become? I hate, like, I don't want to feel bad for this guy. It's, it's hard because they're different characters, yeah. quote unquote, right? This is a different guy. This is not the guy who has been driven into darkness at various points in his continuity, this is the bouncing blue beast that mm-hmm. everybody has said, hey, what happened to that guy? Right. It's interesting to think, and they talk about it, did he leave that back up intentionally? Right. Because he was like, well, I have, just in case I need to go back to this like pure, right. re- more pure version of myself. Essentially, if he fails in what he's doing to try and preserve right. Krakoa, I need this other guy to be able to be clean slate. So good beast... <laughs> decides to go off on his own to find evil beast what would you assume right that's what i assume assume as well yeah but what would you have done to be confronted with all this information to have the only option to be go back to your prison cell and potentially face death no i'm going out into the world and i'm trying to figure it out i just feel like i maybe i missed something but i didn't get the sense that he that they were gonna just kill him there's a dialogue between him and black tom about how and I presume that if you don't like what you find, that you will dispose of me. Well, I th- yeah. But I feel like that that has led to the idea that if you turn into this evil version of yourself, we can't stop you. And then once I answer these questions, will they dispose of me? If they think you're a knockoff of Bad Beastie, then I'm guessing it would make a good sort of sense, right? To just get rid of you. We, we tried. We tried to figure it out. We tried right, to use your intelligence. That's saying if we think that you're a knockoff of Bad Beast, if we think that you're going to turn out to be bad like him. So, so he's just going to be okay with his fate resting in these five no. or six mutants' hands? And... No, but I'm just saying it's not just... Like we're just gonna get answers out of you and then kill you. It's like we're we want you to be on our side, but just know that I we mean, this other beast has gone so rogue that we are on the lookout for that happening with you as well. I think there's a difference in the logic third person perspective of us seeing that and and being in that situation and thinking this is wh- how they're treating me. They've imprisoned me after they brought me mm-hmm. back. They said they need my help, but they've also said that they would dispose of me or I presumed they would dispose of me. And he goes into self-preservation mode. Yes, I agree. But I then think that when he goes and reads all the things and sees all the things that his himself did, he and that affects him in a way that he cries, he has a deeper understanding of where they're coming from. And that's why he goes out on his own, in my mind, to find this other version of himself and t- like take himself down because I think that he was skeptical and was like in self-preservation mode but then when he saw what he has become decided that they were right 
that's anyway that's how i interpreted it we're dancing around the same ideas just from different perspectives mm -hmm. and sections of the book so what were your big picture thoughts as as we get ready for beast hunt next issue this classic blow through of the cover with mm. wonder man calling back to you know that would be the ally he reaches out to mm. and then maybe that's where he's going maybe, maybe he's trying to contact the avengers maybe I mean, there was a lot that I really enjoyed about this issue. I really love when an artist gets the freedom to take the reins and tell the story, which we got a handful of times in this issue. There were pages that had very little dialogue and a lot of art to kind of push the story forward. I don't know that I love the idea of two beasts running around, but I also feel like we knew that this happy beast backup was coming into play in some way. And honestly, I'm so ready for the beast storyline to be resolved. Yes. So I almost feel like sage in the let him take care of himself we have other things to worry about mindset you know it will be interesting to see if the two beasts ever go head to head and also the mystery of how everyone will know which beast we end up with there's always a chance that evil beast can defeat the bouncing blue beast and then just pretend to be him going forward <laughs> you know like that. there's so that's what i'm kind of enjoying is that it seems in my mind like this version of Beast might just go and deal with this thing and then the X-Force team can continue to focus on the story that they need to focus and that this story will continue but get resolved in a way that it's not the main focus of the book. Well, the book's ending at 50, which is likely the end of this arc. Well, you know, whatever. This this is likely, you know, when Ben at the start said, these are my big tentpole ideas, I think it was Colossus and it was Beast, mm -hmm. and which is an interesting general perspective of i'm taking these classic x-men characters and making them for various reasons the big bads of this story mm -hmm. i have mixed emotions i want beast to be able to come back as a character as the character that i love of beast i'm interested in this as the way for it to happen it's been teased for months year i don't mm -hmm. know when that first came up but i have some difficulty feeling anything for this beast just because i don't know like it's, it's a weird philosophical debate, right? He does not know, has not done, but still has the potential to do all these things. Other things happened in the 40 years of continuity that he is missing mm -hmm. that drove him to be that person. Other experiences, other responsibilities that he felt that he had to be the person to do. That's the common downfall of the scientist X-Men that feels like they need to be the one that solves the problem. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. I... When I see him on panel, I think, oh, snap, it's the bad guy. And I just, I can't, I see this nice beast. and I, just, I want to, to go back in time to when I didn't have that reaction mm. and just think, okay, this guy, we don't know yet. You know, I, I mentioned that I was talking to Greg the other day and he has hope for beast then. So maybe I can hope for this beast now. And he also wondered who Mikhail was. And that, yeah. it's, it's wild to think that we've been here for years. I guess building up to this, you know, I, I rewatched the clip that I had edited from our interview with Ben Percy when we asked, what's up with Beast? Mm. And he talked about the literary themes that he was pulling mm -hmm. for this character of Beast, that he was willing to do the darkness to preserve the paradise for others. Right. Is that not what he's still been doing? I don't know. It's just he took it to ways that no one would recommend and no one. And he did it in a unilateral mm. decision making way. Well, one thing is that mindset of preserve, preserve the paradise, like 
preserving the paradise is one thing, but then like going above and beyond to assume that you know the threats that are coming, that's not preserving the paradise right. in in actuality. Right. Even that's, though that's that creating might more enemies down mean the line. That internally to him. I mean, I feel like I look at this other beast and I don't I don't hate him. I'm like, okay, I like I'm hopeful for him or I'm rooting for this other version of beast I'm trying. to take down the bad beast. Damascus Blade says that Beast is a furry daddy, but he's messy AF. <laughs> it's funny because I was I was reading something. Oh no, it was it was actually from Gene Queens, who is our next comment, just about how a lot of people in the time frame that this beast comes from were like, "Hey, Beast!" Like a lot of ladies were responding to like, "Who's oh. this, this furry guy?" Intrigue. Right? So Gene Queens enjoyed the issue, even though we think solving a problematic character by having a clone come along to address the mess is a uniquely stupid Marvel concept, mm -hmm. which is kind of funny. Uh, because this is a trademark Marvel bad idea, we will let it pass, as it won't be watching a travesty occur and more like watching a friend commit mild self-harm. Mm -hmm. You know, we're just here for the ride. It's interesting. So they cite a handful of points in Beast's history. And why did they bring back this beast instead of a couple years continuity-wise later to have someone that wasn't blue and furry? And I think mm. that it is because they want to set him to, if we say, this is the beast going forward, mm -hmm. he looks, he sounds, he acts like the beast of X-Men 97. Mm -hmm. And that's who we want. We want, some, we want to be able to revert back to the full expressed form of this beast. Oh, when you just said that, I got like angry vibes in my soul yeah, because I know. it's there like though. this this like oh x-men 97 and like i'm seeing so much x-men 97 stuff and i'm all for the show and i'm here for it but it the just, show and the comics are different and i don't need my comics to be 100 the cartoon it doesn't need to be one narrative right but they point out you know they could have grabbed beast from october 1997 uh, at the time of avengers 164 where wikipedia tells us this was beast when he was first shown as a sex symbol, Marvel's editor-in-chief Jim Shooter, Alicia could say, bang, bang, shooter, here for the effect. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Said very positive mail from female readers came through as a result. You know, like this beast could be uh, the beast that we saw. It's just... Uh, no, oh. thank you. <laughs> uh, it's not for me. We are hoping the beast we got will be an 80s relic Fish out of water when we see him next. Beast as Encino Man, which absolutely great reference. Here for it. And and just interesting to know that like this character has so many iterations that mm -hmm. could have been the one, could have been the moment that we brought back. I think the intent focus on his mutant rights perspective and the work that he was doing, like to have Colossus call out that specifically, to have him call that out specifically, mm -hmm. is really interesting and, and needed at this mm -hmm. point. Julio AZVD789, calling out the continuity errors between X-Force and Wolverine 41. So I think that this is addressed in the fact that we we do the title page note. Mm -hmm. And a handful of people responded to whether we skipped the title page note or we forgot it from Wolverine, but that this actually happens before Wolverine 41. So mm -hmm. the fact that Quentin is alive, the fact that nothing has happened with Wolverine and Sabretooth, all right. of that is placed in this timeline with that editor's note. Raina DP thinks Percy playing with the Chekhov's gun as backup beast is cool, but she hopes the story isn't predictable. And I wonder, like, what, what will New Beast do? 
What Can you is... explain Chekhov's gun? Chekhov's gun is a... Like, I've heard of it, but I don't really know if it. If there's a gun on the fireplace in the first act, that gun will go off by the third act. Got it. It's basically putting a intentional prop for later use. So to say, to call attention to this resurrection backup of New Beast, however long ago, mm-hmm. it was like, hey, I'm putting this here. We're all seeing that I'm putting this here because I'm going to use right. it later okay. on. I was just like, that's the second time you used that reference. And I can't be the only person no, who's yeah, like sure. not 100% sure I, what that means. And I know that I do that all the time with things that like you know, Chekhov's gun is it's a narrative principle that states that every element in a story must be necessary and irrelevant elements should be removed. Mm-hmm. So the fact that it is an element there, it's there with right. purpose. Per purpose. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, it's it's used a lot in improv mm-hmm. and and how we fuel heralds especially and if something sense. comes up we will play with it later because it was come coming up intentionally right okay cool yeah. thank you yeah i think I, to, to get to reina's point what is the the predictable thing that new beasts would level with i, I loved what you said about <laughs> evil beast taking because that also calls back to dark beast posing as beast yeah for a period of time well i was like i I have mixed feelings about my own thought because sure. part of me is like, that would be so cool. And then we'd still get Evil Beast forever. We get to see what he does with that. But at the same time, I feel like if the idea is that at the end of this, there's going to be some kind of reset or restructure, it makes sense for us to end with this new beast, other version of Beast that is more family friendly. <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. Not a war criminal. Right. Galetta Grafico exclaims, they did it. Gee, damn it. They did it. They brought back Beast. They did. Michael Osmari Carey's favorite Beast is back. His single tear got Mike. And and honestly, it got me too. It was just that bit Mm -hmm. of emotion to see, to be confronted with the darkness that he had embraced and And the person he had become. That tear for me was the thing that said like, oh, he is not cool with who he has become and he needs to do something about it. It'd be cool to just look at kind of like a lineup of this Beast war criminal beast and dark beast and, mm. and to just have them talk it out you know <laughs> I, I worry for new beast because i feel like he would be corrupted by his other selves but maybe but maybe that's the thing about him being from that specific point in continu- continuity and not having the experiences that then led him to be this version of himself like maybe the version that they've resurrected or that they've brought back is not he doesn't have the trauma to take that step sure right and maybe that's the key that's the reason you know avoid that trauma please (laughs) (laughs) vitorino says you know sometimes they just give us exactly what we want i already love this new old version of hank beast was a villain unique to krakoa but i'm not sure he would still work in that role Mm -hmm. if there was no mutant nation state what are your thoughts and i think that that's 100 percent true that a lot of the things that he was driven to do was because he felt this personal responsibility to be the guy that was the the caretaker poorly mm-hmm. for Krakoa. That that it is a it builds off of a lot of the stuff that he's done over the last however many years that Sage points out, mm-hmm. but is uniquely fueled by what is Krakoa and what we are protecting. So I agree with you, but I also think that if this version of Beast was to survive whatever happens at the end of Krakoa, 
his whole mindset was that he needed to do this because he had suspicions or he had caution about these people and these things and how they could turn out to be villains and if we're going back to the place where mutants are hated and feared and that's the whole reason that Krakoa was destroyed and the whole reason that their reset is because they were trying to be like their extinction was trying to be caused by humans this version of Beast would would be like next level evil right? because he would be like okay I was freaking right yeah, and I clearly didn't do enough the first time right? so we need to make sure that never, ever happens again. Essentially breaking Charles Xavier with the Moira truths, right? right? You know, the, that whole, you saw what happened. Right. I didn't do enough. Right. Exactly. So if he, w- if he was to stick around, I feel like he would just be like the maximum villainy that the, he could achieve. The beastiest beast. Yeah. Comic Extracts thought it was dot, 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 a little boring. And a bit confusing, given that it's unclear how, you know, the the, the timeline of it all. Mm. Daniel did go back and saw the title page with the note about how this is being published. It's odd that it's being published concurrently or even after, right? Interesting and and confusing if you don't catch that note. And even just mentally placing these stories at different points. Something to think about. I think overall, I was just underwhelmed. Now we have two beasts running around. And one of them is a clear reset that can take the helm for the reboot. Maybe I'm just annoyed because it's a fairly predictable path that we are walking to a plot line that has been going on forever. I guess I was hoping for something more, but my expectations are probably too high for this. And it's mm-hmm. interesting because, you know, we are all of that mind of, okay, this was coming. This was right, happening. Yeah. And and does that make it feel... It's the same. We WandaVisioned ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> right? We, we saw... Yeah, obviously when it's revealed, we knew that was coming. Right. We obsessed over the last episode or the last few issues. We've been writing see, down every detail to for see months. that that was yeah. coming, right? We as a podcast, we keep those details front of mind right. so that we are aware of what's coming. And then when it happens, does it feel dissatisfying? Right. Because it's the thing that we knew was going to happen. Uh, it's so funny the other day I was talking to my boss Eric at work and and he was saying, I'm all caught up on the MCU, finally, blah, blah, blah. And then he's like, but I think I want to go back and watch WandaVision. We started talking about WandaVision and how crazy everybody got. And I was like, you know, we use that as like a phrase all the time. When we're talking, we say, we WandaVisioned ourselves," And he thought that was so funny. And I just, the coincidence of that coming up right now, it's just. I think it was, it was a very, in the same way that this beast is unique to Krakoa, mm-hmm. WandaVision was unique to the COVID experience. Yes. Because we were all starved for new Marvel entertainment. Yes. And then that came out on a weekly drop. And we were like hungry for all the answers. So we got to watch it multiple times. We got to podcast about it. We got to talk about it. We got to, you know, it it became this thing that everybody obsessed over and then got Ralph Bonard. And (laughs) Warlion exclaims, Beast is back, baby. I'd imagine he doesn't have the memories of his time displaced self, which I think is a really interesting point. Oh, interesting. Right. So when Beast set back his old self, there was the contingency that you wouldn't get those memories until you reached a certain point. Mm -hmm. Is that a time point? Is that a development point? I'm not sure how that interacts here because of this beast being essentially time displaced in his experience. But but not it's it's very science fiction. It's very comics. Anna says that X Force wonders why they can't defeat beasts, yet they forget to ban beasts' access to their tech based base. Yeah. Which I think is interesting for both beasts and what they're able to do. Like how can you ban it? Like if if it's kind of like once every once everyone attunes to Krakoa, how can you tell Krakoa to forget 
I mean, a person. I think it's part of the tech that's mm -hmm. been fused with the Floronics and then mm -hmm. how you could potentially update security access codes. And maybe that's a little bit of a oopsie mm -hmm. in the next issue when they realize that he's made a run for it. You know, the fact that the CIA of the Krakoan era aren't even fit to be a mall's security and they want to oh, take down no. one of the smartest people on the planet. That's a rough statement. And, and Anas, <laughs> you are not the only one who teared up seeing OG Beast. We knew this was going to happen, but I don't think any of us were prepared for it. And just seeing like just that emotional point. That was good. That was great. I didn't tear up, but I I didn't, I didn't tear up, but I I felt something emotional for him and his experience. Mm-hmm. As much as I can for a very clearly fake character in a narrative world. <laughs> I mean, I can feel, I can feel pretty intensely for very fake characters. <laughs> it's very true. That's X Force. X Force. Are you ready for the mind explosions that are Resurrection of Magneto number one? Yes, I'm so ready. We've got the tarot book ready to talk about some of the key cards that are coming up. Marvel leaning in with the lovers of. X-Men number 30, and now all the tarot symbiology of this. Let's talk about the cover. Let's talk about the cover. Aurora being a badass in front with Magneto ghosted in the back. I love it because it feels like the cover gives such a great yeah. uh, vibe of like him being a motivation for her and like a a guide for her, a, a voice in her head, right? Like this is her being her baddest self in like not evil, but like as a baddie with Magneto, like deep in her heart, deep in her mind. The guiding, guiding force. Guiding her yeah. to make choices. And I think that's, it's such a beautiful cover. It's interesting. So I do want to call this out, a detail from Al Ewing that the even numbered issues will be from Magneto's point of view. Oh, so next sugar. issue, we will get details from his point of I view love it. as to how he got to that point, what that journey was that we get teased at the end, Ooh. which I think is just a really interesting narrative device, kind of kind of pulls from Immortals Run and to, mean, to switch perspective and to, to really, I mean, it's a classic thing. But. If I'm reading a novel, yeah. oh, every yeah. chapter of the novel is written from a different, per like if we have like, you know, handful of characters and each chapter is like bouncing between their perspectives, those are like some of my favorite novels to read yes but it also is difficult so sky vault that i'm reading now mm -hmm. there's almost too many characters that it does that uh, with and i'm not reading it so intently that i'm actively like it's like, taken what? me a while to be like okay yeah that's ralph that's uh -huh. who he is yeah yeah but this we know these characters of course yeah here we go page turn noise our five of cups magneto so let's start this up this was a very early preview image we called it out on the pod it is shot for shot, mm -hmm. a classic tarot card of the three cups, helmets here spilled over, but go for it. Okay. Five of cups, grieving, disillusion, disappointment, betrayal, bitterness, wallowing, self-pity can signify a broken heart. The illusion is lifting and you may suddenly find yourself in the middle of a reality that is painfully disappointing. If your dark night was a result of someone else's deception, you will need to find the seeds of forgiveness in order to avoid a calloused heart. Release yourself from any guilt around the situation. 
when we realize that the future we were working toward is no longer an option, it's easy to focus on the loss and allow our energy to stagnate and spiral into self-pity. Don't allow your life force to drain away with the things you once loved. Allow your tender heart to navigate toward the curative magic of finding faith in your future. If you are having a hard time letting go, unhook your heart from your fragmented dreams and give yourself permission to envision a brighter future. Dismantle your grief, reclaim your happiness, and consciously step back into a path filled with hope. My tender heart helps me navigate toward my bright future. A lot of things interesting about that that make me think about his dying words mm-hmm. and, and talking about Anya, the daughter that he lost long before. And it, it was that part of him giving into death and, and seeing death as the only mm-hmm. possible next option. A, a lot of this, you know, regret and what could be done as you forge the future. Everybody talking about what the mutants can do in response. Mm-hmm. He feels this, even his quote here, coming to Aurora in the dream saying, I was wrong. I was wrong right. about the, tra- the the path that I chose and I feel regret and guilt and over And there's that. so much. There's also just like the entirety of the Krakoan society and yeah. letting go of what that dream is and refocusing on how how do you pick up the pieces and move forward and allow what is there to create this new vision for your life or for your future, not just for yourself, right? Because Magneto is often thinking about his people. people. So how do we rebuild this future in a way that is gr- like gracious to the things that we already have instead of trying to cultivate something that isn't there? Like find the... Find the bounty in what you've got and and redirect your energy in that way. And, you know, be be comfortable with saying, I've made a mistake. Mm. And that's what's happening here on so many levels, right? Yeah, like yeah. all of Krakoa, deciding that it was okay if I died. Like thinking that I didn't need to be involved anymore and in removing myself from the council. Like all of these things, he need, he now needs to take a step forward from that. Yeah. it's It's a really deep journey for his character and for this narrative Mm -hmm. and i I think that that's what a lot of people are celebrating is just not only this as an issue and continuation of magneto's story but how many of al's past works Mm -hmm. this ties into and builds off of as storm is jolted awake from a dream this dream this conversation with magneto and in is in bed with Craig of NASA. I live for Storm and Craig of NASA. Like, <laughs> I am so happy they're together. I think that it is so beautiful. And I love that we're getting to see a moment of Storm processing and coping after all that she's gone through. She's been hit with blow after blow since pretty much Judgment Day, Magneto's death, and then everything that's happened on Araco. And though we often get to see how strong she is, we're now getting to see that she needs someone to lean on. She needs rest. She needs to recuperate just as much as everybody else. And that like all of this, it's like when you're go, 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 go. And you don't like really think about if you're not taking care of yourself and then you have free time and then you suddenly get sick. Yeah. Right. Like that's what's happening to Aurora. And I love the voiceover narration, the text boxes over these couple pages talking about who Craig is and who she's allowed to be in his presence mm-hmm. that she doesn't feel the weight of all the pressures yes. of her roles as goddess as weather witch as queen as right. x-man that she can just be 
Aurora. Yes. It's so beautiful. I also think it's funny that like the kids come in and yeah. suddenly like they're a family. Well, yeah. Yeah. Not only do the kids come in, but they're ready for Yeah. They're battle. so cute. They're like, what do we need to do? And they're, they're like, go back to bed. Everything's they're adorable, fine. But that also would be a trial by insult. Yes. And we're back to a title page. Resurrection of Magneto. The Lightning Path. Written by Al Ewing. Art by Luciano Vecchio. Colors David Curiel. Letters Josephino. VCs Josephino. Stefano Caselli and Jesus Abertoff on the cover. I, I do want to shout out. So LeChef415 asked, who the hell is Craig? And why is Storm <laughs> messing with this scrub? And I mean... First off, Craig has been a kind of really Don't light detail. Craig a scrub. <laughs> we, we do we do like Craig, um, and it's interesting. A lot of the talk about Aurora's relationship. Mm-hmm. She mentions Forge. She mentions the brilliance of Adam. Right. And in contrast to her relationship with T'Challa. Forge, right, and with T'Challa, yeah, um, it's it's interesting. So so Craig is a NASA scientist who was studying Arako. He was introduced, I believe, in X-Men Red in a couple of different ways and was shown to kind of build up this human mutant connection and, and was a ally in the attack from the Eternals. Did, yes. Did work to keep safe the two children, Lulo and Cobb. Yes. Craig's been doing his thing. Yeah. Okay, he's been by Aurora's side. We like Craig. Yeah, we're here for Craig. We're also here for Adam Brashear. Don't know. Literally in my notes I wrote, I don't really know who these two are, but I'm not going to let myself get hung up on it. Great. So, I mean, this is Blue Marvel and Taya, Blue Marvel being one of the big brains of Marvel. A lot of of work with the negative zone, the neutral zone, trying to access bigger planes of existence outside of ours. Taya is a time-displaced mother of who would become Galactus. Oh, interesting. Not Right, yeah, not that's a lot. Great, but also not bad. <laughs> She's not, you know, <laughs> right, at it's fault not her for fault. She, I guess. Uh interesting that so we're in this base under an ocean, mm-hmm. right? So the Kadesh base. This is essentially a pickup of Defenders Beyond where they introduced Enigma. They're talking about the Dominion. They're talking about the connections to Orcus. As Laktuka comes up on the screen, I assumed at first that Laktuka was somehow working with them, but I think that's how Storm teleports into mm. this base. She's working with Laktuka. It's just something that stuck out, like kind of sent my mind off. Like, how is this possible? That's definitely like Tuca. Let's see. Like, and this is the thing that I've learned to allow myself to do when reading. And and you were saying how some people felt like this issue was so overwhelming and there was so much to it. When it gets to that point, I just take myself, I just take a second for myself to go, okay, don't get hung up on that right Right. now. Just read the issue and then go back and be like, what were the things I really need to focus on? And then through conversation maybe through rereads like those other little details can come up but i try not to let myself get hung up on every single detail because when i used to do that then i would like just stop enjoying the book yeah 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 Uh, i do want to call out adam makes reference to eternity Mm -hmm. and eternity is the embodiment of the eighth cosmos so the eighth cosmos being the current multiverse that these characters are living in. I see. Interesting with the cosmos and how they denote kind of uh, revamping or recreating 
the multiverse and how there has been several of these occurrences across time, especially relative to incursions and the beyonders and all of the stuff that we're, we're dealing with here, but not really explaining. Mm. So th this idea, eternity is a physical representation of existence currently. And he or they are essentially the, the God or the person that the defenders beyond are working for. Got it. Right. The fact that eternity and enigma seem to be at opposite ends of uh, this battle. Yes. Okay. Right? Uh, the, this, I, I went, these couple of pages were the start. Like I, I did notes for this book for entirely too long because I was Googling, <laughs> I was Googling tarot cards that seven of cups post came from me and yeah. just trying to understand what each element meant. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know tarot as much as Alicia has been enjoying it, but it is kind of, it's there and yeah. I'm aware of it. So trying to keep up with all this as we have this exchange between the two and we get to the point that no we're all on the same side we're all fighting together for all of society right so what you here for Aurora? yeah what do you need well i need a portal to the afterlife and uh i you can make it for me and here's this thing apocalypse to help me with and uh i'm just gonna jump through it so yeah right with no conversation at all there's a lot of interesting <laughs> so a gate seed from koorak which is a Krakoan gate, Krakoa gate seed for the waiting gateway. That's mm -hmm. some new stuff. Yes. Uh, the importance of the words that Adam's saying to Aurora mm -hmm. and, and the history, the weight they carry from the experience, the the fact that she's standing here in this portal room as Adam is like, yeah, I could do this. Yeah, I, I bet all these other big brains were like, no, that's impossible. Uh, Warlion points out, it's like, oh, those guys also traverse and, and fight death. And, yeah. and you know, th this idea may be interesting to think that this is what Adam thinks about these other people. Mm. And that's why he's saying this, because I don't think that this is Al saying right, this. Right, right. But uh, a lot of emotional connection to her time in Tokyo and this standing on the ledge, willing to jump, feeling the thrill like this. This is these two panels of her standing in front of the portal and then jumping off the ledge just reminded me explicitly of that issue where she then bonded with Yukio during what would have been Wolverine's wedding mm. and, and really unleashing what then became the punk rock version of herself and, oh. and and not feeling the fear that she had felt, the reserve nature that she had felt that was unleashed by Yukio and that experience. But here it's like, no, th this is a part of who I am. I need to jump in and go for it. Yeah, I also kind of got vibes that she was feeling like if she has to go into this place and only one person can come out, it has to be Magneto. And she doesn't care what happens to her. She just needs to go in there and, and save her friend. Yeah. And welcome to the afterlife because praise Tarn. Praise we've, Tarn. We've got a dude standing here and we've also got another tarot card, the Seven of Cups. Yes, the Seven of Cups. Fantasies, choices, wishful thinking. The allure of temptation on the path, needing to move forward without knowing the full picture. Options. When you daydream your way into the future, the options that you have in front of you can feel both under and overwhelming. The path from A to Z is often nebulous, 
And life can present itself like a game of shoots and ladders that bring you down only to lift you up. Your desire to choose the one correct and perfect path can further complicate and muddle your decisions because there is no way to know everything that will spill forth from the cup you choose. Use your intuition to decide, remembering that the temptation of shiny things can be illusory, while challenging paths will often hold unexpected opportunity. Ask your discerning heart what options honestly stand in front of you today. And even if things are not exactly as they seem, choosing that which you truly desire will offer the most useful stepping stone right now. My wildest imagination is a tool that I can use to inform my future in a down-to-earth way. And here, the Seven of Cups is visually standing in for the waiting room. Mm-hmm. Tarn, our, our greeter, our guide of sorts, refers to the space as the well beyond the worlds, this seat of magic that was created by Wanda to be a physical representation or at least a, a spiritual representation of the options given to you when you reach the afterlife, that yeah. you can go through one of these seven doors. What I think is so interesting about this is that like, in our minds originally, right, I'm assuming we imagine the waiting room to be full. just one place yeah. full of people. And now you have this concept that Tarn's the only one here. Waiting. And because Tarn's like, I'm ready to come back to life. Yeah. Like, this is my doorway. Let me let me out. Where I feel like it's telling us that everyone else is sort of making peace with yeah. where they are. And they're not waiting to be brought back. They they're making a choice to step forward into whatever their now future holds for them. Mm. And that's really interesting because we, right, like we on earth or the mutants that are still living have this idea that like, oh, they're they're there and we can access them. But these mutants who have come here have decided to move forward and take a different path. And now they're through one of these doors. Yeah, and a lot seemingly going through the hell type door the the flaming death Mm -hmm. visage and we have within one of these doors we have the tower yes the tower which is interesting so reading into this the towers here in the top left in the tarot card the tower and the head the blue head which is now swapped with living tribunal they're in opposite places Mm. so there's a lot with tarot and interpretation on changing the the positioning and upside down and in reverse and interesting to think what that could mean Mm. not sure of anything just yet but well it's interesting too because if you think about one thing that's you know to be noted of tarot is there are lots of interpretations of the cards and lots of iterations of the cards so there are like artists who do completely different versions of the cards with like a similar vibe or a similar feel of like getting that message across. And one thing that is really important in in tarot is that you're supposed to like if you know if you're like well versed and you see the card and you know the meaning, like that's one thing. But for people who are starting out or for people who are getting a reading, like the visual imagery on the card, you're supposed to sit with that for a second and let yourself feel what that imagery like yep. pulls front of mind for you. And then you take the meeting and you kind of like take those two things and mesh them together. So like 
the different iterations visually could kind of elicit different feelings for people at different times of their life, which is cool. Yeah. So Tarn is our guide, calling out... <laughs> Such a funny thing. Yeah. Welcome to the afterlife. Tarn is your guide. Which, you know, not the person you want to see. Uh, there was always magic in you. A couple of lines that he calls out to Storm. Always magic within you. Why you would be the one here. Why Tarn is the one here, seeing as he is the genomic mage. He mm -hmm. is in a seat of magic, calling out the fact that these are exits and entrances, these seven different paths that you can go into the the further afterlife, kind of leave this middle ground and mm -hmm. go into your fate. Flinging yourself into death on the moon's road, it sounds like you have a mission. Who? Who are you here for? Your killer and how that is an insult to mm -hmm. Tarn and sets him off in this fight. I, like... It's just really interesting, the fact that it's Tarn, the fact that Storm has this connection to Tarn, and Tarn has this connection to Magneto. To Magneto, yeah. So who else would it have been, right? Right. And is this also in some way pulled forward because of things that Aurora is feeling and thinking? Yeah. I just think that Tarn is such an interesting character that came out of the Krakoan age that though his death was so epic, yeah. it is nice that the character is getting a new life in this way and we're getting to see more of a character that otherwise maybe we would never see again. Yeah. This epic art display oh as the genomic mage erupts into fury. So much rage and range in this standoff. I love Luciano's work throughout it's so this. It's so gorgeous. It's so gorgeous and it's very different from other things that I've seen him do. Mm. Like it just feels different. It feels and a, and a lot of people were hesitant about his style and what they've known his style to be for something as heavy as Resurrection of Magneto and it, it feels like it brings the weight to this and yeah. the, the beauty of these characters it's just like the flowing hair of aurora the the emotions in her face as she stands off against him this image of her on the yeah, bottom standing like, off against tarn just the, this whole battle and like the the grotesque nature of tarn as he like takes these forms and fights with aurora like threatening her there's there's this art is just so beautiful yeah yeah, shout out also to David Curiel on the colors because mm -hmm. there's just so many purples and mixtures of colors throughout this. As, you know, she, Aurora is not afraid. You have no power over me. Here in the Seat of Magic, we are our own signifiers. Signifiers of power, like the icons of death and judgment and fate, all the things before me. You are talking about being mutation itself, but you don't know who you're you are not coming after me you're only manipulating yourself mm -hmm. also you're doing this while you stand on a cloud right and the weather you witch fool. has taken notice of this as she strikes down with this epic lightning oh my bolt god this page yeah there's so many pages that just feel like wow yeah this yes. this could be yes. a call out because like then the whole next page with like tarn like withering away into the electricity into the cloud where we have ancestors like forming out forming and and presenting themselves to help guide us through this plane of existence a shock a the fact that you know it, it's all carved from the seed of magic careful of the signifiers we step on this telepathic communication that a shock a who we have seen 
before yeah. in comics recently with the Gambit I miniseries. Love that. Right? I love that that's like calling to this deeper relationship that Storm has with magic. Too. With magic, yeah, yeah. Because we we saw that in a couple of instances in those other books. And so now we're getting... Even in Scarlet Witch, I yeah. think that that was a part of mm-hmm. that backup story, one issue, to really double down on the fact that Aurora has magic in her ancestry mm-hmm. and she has the ability to com- connect with this. It's interesting, like this this look on Ashaka's face as Aurora's concerned. You know, what darkness does her presence here portend? The the black cat symbology mm-hmm. surrounding her about like the witchcraft. They're both self proclaimed witches, mm-hmm. right? Whether witch is still a witch, mm-hmm. and I think that that's important to state here. But this conversation between the two of them, you threw yourself into the unknown on the strength of a dream, but there's a lot of deep meaning that can mm-hmm. be pulled from those dreams and the reasoning why you should be here. So she's referring back to Aurora was referring back to the start of this issue, mm-hmm. what she felt from this connection to Magneto. The question from Ashaka is Ugh, like, like the, is he really your friend? This page. It's it's interesting because, and I didn't even call it out. There's a an article on Marvel.com talking about the friendship between Aurora and Magneto mm. and how that has evolved, how that has changed, and especially really taken shape over the last couple of years in Krakoa with yeah. this mutual respect as they built the brotherhood. It's really interesting because the way that I like viewed it when I was thinking back on this is that like Storm and Magneto are the new Charles and Magneto. Mm. And like it feels like Magneto kind of gave up on Charles's ability to Think beyond his dream. Yeah, think beyond his dream and to, like, work together and, like, to be his, like, old friend, you know? Like, it feels like Aurora has taken that place in his mind as, like, she has the morality that, you know, works in tandem with his fury and they, they are going to, like, embark on this journey in a new way of, like, she's actually the partner that he needs to get this done, to Mm. have the, you know, the heart that is needed and the morality that is needed, but also to face the hard truths of, like, where mutants actually stand and how do they move forward and overcome this. And how Charles got us here. Yeah. You jerk. You dummy. I, I had to post this page on Wednesday. We don't normally post early on, but this is one of those, like, beautiful but also kind of safe pages because mm-hmm. it doesn't give a way too much detail. Uh, but, man, the, the epic imagery here. As we come back to this conversation, these these different paths before Aurora and the fate of all the mutant souls that were here. Mm-hmm. They didn't want to wait anymore. They moved on seeing herself nearly dying on earth so we get the the visual of right. no, this is like her soul having gone through this door right what did you choose to do what how have you left yourself and this idea that like you could still make it back in time to be alive and it kind of gives me like i don't know if you remember um in the movie hercules where yeah, like yeah. he jumps into the to the river to, of souls to like save Meg and like he's slowly dying as he goes to save her like journey into the underworld like yeah. that is all that is paralleling in my mind I'm like she's slowly dying as she gets to him and like she's fully aware that she might like get to him and completely lose herself in this way but like what if she comes out even stronger Sure sure yeah I love the visual of her hair mm-hmm. being cloud-like in nature, the way that it forms around in this place. Mm. This conversation between her and Ashaki, the, the avatar of life, would 
I would fight for Magneto. I would fight for them all to bring them back. All of these mutant souls, all mm-hmm. of these lost people. And the the kind of significance that Ashake is giving to Oro that, you know, even a witch like you is going to have trouble here. This mm-hmm. is not going to be a fun experience. Right, right. And she pulls another card, a five of swords. Yes. And the riddles within it. The five of swords, conflict, unfair advantage, experiencing loss, the need to build your skills and your confidence, hollow victories. You may have experienced an unexpected loss that has left you a little bit sore. Sometimes life isn't just fair, and these inequities can drain our energy for much longer than they need to. Often, it's the fear of failure that does the most draining. If you are feeling outsmarted or outjousted, remember that one chapter doesn't define you. Wins and losses are both part of the human experience, and the keys to self-improvement lie dormant inside the difficulties. Boost your consciousness, upgrade your skills, and build on this experience. In Shadow, we learn that winning isn't everything, especially when deceit is a part of the strategy. The obsessive desire to win can have us stopping at nothing to feel victorious, and in the long run, we risk everything we've built along the way. You may find yourself a few steps backward after winning if you are not bringing your integrity to the game. The lessons move me ahead, always. Mm. I freaking love how much the tarot cards are playing into this and how cool they are. And just like that whole idea is like exactly what I said. Like maybe strong, strong maybe Storm is going to come out stronger from this. Because and the idea this. that there may be a loss in order to get to a win is like, what does right, that right. mean? Loss of life or loss of a part of yourself. Right. Or, you know, the innocence loss or... So she goes for the tower. This is a good sign, the fact that Magneto went for the tower, the tower also being a symbol in tarot. If he's not ready for death's road or the turn of the wheel, which I kind of took as reincarnation or being Mm -hmm. wheeled back into life, overwhelmed, worried, or doubting her decisions to come, what's in front of her, because she's facing a large challenge. She's kind of swept away by the tower itself. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm just going to read the tower, and then that's our last tarot card. Unexpected change, chaos, the rug pulled from beneath your feet, beliefs changed, new awareness and perspectives, destruction, being unsure of who you are. Whoa, buckle up and expect the unexpected. Sometimes we resist change to the point that the universe shifts in a destructive and chaotic way that fundamentally changes how we see our reality. There is a strange beauty in the de- in this deconstruction, as all of the elements for a better life will be found amongst the rubble. Use this moment to rebuild something foundational, something extraordinary. Trust that you will be held by the universe, and you'll become stronger and more resilient as a result. Tower moments are powerful, moving, shifting, expanding. The tower energy in your life marks a period when you get to reevaluate, redirect, reestablish, and realign. It's magic in the disguise of unpredictability. The brightest of lights will pierce through the pandemonium of change that you are expecting, and you will find your beautiful truth 
and blazing potential in the darkness of the tower. In chaos, I move toward the brightest light. Mm. Interesting how that reflects Magneto's journey, what Mm -hmm. he's looking for, and potentially what Aurora needs to find as well as she comes through this and on the other side is greeted by a phalanx dominion. Dun, dun, dun. The way they speak is hard to wrestle with, but we're, <laughs> we're existing forever, outside and beyond ever. This is non-linear existing, an unfathomable force beyond, outside, the mystery, over space. Over space is a dimensional space above and apart from all other realities where one can confer and communicate with abstract cosmic entities like eternity, mm. death, the living tribunal. A parallel dimension also accessible via growing with pim particles. So that kind of connects to Al's work with mm. Ant-Man and the Wasp and even what we saw with quantum mania and the way that that works between space in interesting ways. Mm. So... This idea of being at Multiverse 5 and the Cosmos Stage 5, the junction to everywhere, which I believe is what this phalanx is saying that they are connected to. Mm -hmm. That was their origin point, the junction of everywhere. This, There's so much going on here is so much just conceptually that there are multiple dominions that exist outside, right? So how dominion was achieved in one reality and how that exists beyond... Right, because we're talking about things that exist beyond time and space. Yes, the threat of enigma, and the fear and reaction that he causes to this dominion and the beyonders. This mention of the Ace of Crowns, the the fifth business, enigma, all all things that have you know, mm-hmm. five symbology with magic, uh, that. There's a lot here that's going to get teased out over the next couple page, next couple issues. Yeah, that's what I was like. I read the whole that whole couple pages, and I was like, all right, I don't know that I fully understand this, but my takeaway is that there's more than just enigma outside of time and space, and therefore, like through different whatever different universes, different realities, there are different outcomes, which does give us hope for what is to come, but that. We're not going to fully understand it right now. Sure. And I was like, okay, got that. Moving on. (laughs) (laughs) And the cost of these questions, the thirst for knowledge of this dominion, the fact that Magneto went through this, he was interesting, but not enough. Not like you. You have something more that we want. The fact that the dominion is responding to Aurora's presence differently than it did to Magneto. And Aurora doesn't care. Right. She is going to light it up and try to fight through it as she is knocked seemingly through her existence into all of these past iterations of self. You have kind of highlights of her costumes, both classic era to Jim Lee, and then a couple of the more modern mm. looks that we've seen over I the last few it. years. I love it. I love that that little of her character. And then we see a mirror of our Five of Cups opening, with Aurora and her crowns as she stares at the same river and building that Magneto saw before Mm -hmm. him. I want to just bring up the side-by-side images of like, of Storm with like Magneto, he's upside down and like he's pulled apart because they're essentially in like yoga tree pose in this place. One's, you know, and it, it also in this moment is having that like tarot effect where like one is like forward and one is reversed but 
I just looked up like the spiritual meaning of tree pose and it's mercy, generosity, flexibility, tolerance, strength, endurance, balance, and grace. And I just thought that was really interesting to think about like the like the strength and the balance between the two of them and their two perspectives and how that and the idea of mercy and all of the mercy and tolerance and how that's going to play into what happens next for them, I just thought was really cool. It's also interesting. The tree pose is connected to the root chakra, mm. which is the first chakra and the kind of source of a person's power built from that mm. point. So it's just cool. Yeah. Like I'm loving all these like these references. They're they're feeling Bigger so symbology. good in like my personal spirituality. So great it's cool i like it and then fiery magneto like what is this the holocaust memorial that is around him or We're not entirely sure so the holocaust memorial could be one uh there's been some theories that this could be the people that he has killed mm. throughout I was his reading life reading all the names trying to figure out like who they were there's no clarity on nothing. that yeah he's got his bloody-eyed fire crawl the the journey that he has gone through as we set up for our next issue, mm-hmm. we have the names on the cover as well, which I think is interesting detail to see mm. on that last page. The key is our Krakoan. Big brain explosions all over this. Like, I. Give that just like Magneto costume in the background of the cover image, too. Just. Yeah. It's really interesting. What I'm, it all means I'm historically. Excited. Like I don't, I don't want to understate the amount of reading, rereading, and googling I did to feel like I fully understood a lot of the things that were going on this mm. comic. Because I don't want to say it was too complex, but Al Ewing set out to make us do some work. There's higher concepts. It's a book about resurrection, death, and life. So that tracks. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. That he's pulling in things that mean more to the collective human experience. Right. In this, a metaphorical work. That beautiful art it just feels so different from luciano and not to say that i don't appreciate luciano style otherwise but like the this feels like different work Mm -hmm. and there are just so many pages that stand out on their own connecting the dots to defenders and defenders beyond everything al has been setting up across titles it's complex as all hell over space the well beyond worlds like i just trying to Mm -hmm. stay ahead of all the different things that were introduced in this one issue yeah hopefully it's not overwhelming brain explosion for the next couple and we're just kind of playing with this as our base set of starting point i mean overall i loved this issue i love that we're on the start of a journey and that issue one wasn't okay let's get magneto back and then we see what happens once he's back but the series and that the idea that this series might just be a journey through judgment that Storm and Magneto have to face together and see how they come out on the other side. This other world is one that I'm so ready to explore. That being said, I also really hope it does not require a soul to be left behind because I can't lose Storm and no. we know that Magneto's coming back. Yeah. Um, I too felt that the art in this book was so breathtaking and I could just stare at it all day. For me, the tarot connections are just so cool and it's something that I'm really just starting to get into and get connected with. So I love that it's crossing over 
into the comics. And I feel that Hawksbox had some of those tarot elements in it, but mm-hmm. because I didn't feel as connected or as compelled to really do that research before, it's a cool new element to kind of throw in the mix for me. And I'm just really excited to see where this goes. Like, I agree there's so much here, but I think that for me, and I I completely say that everybody's experience is different because I've had comics that say like, oh my God, look at all this information. And then my brain just like turns off and I'm not interested in that. So that feeling is really valid. But the way that all of this was set up for me, this new part of the universe or this like of the world that is existing in this space, like I'm so intrigued by it. Like mm. I want to go into each one of those doors. Like I and just poke around. Like I just want to see what's up. Who else is there? What other characters are we gonna encounter? Like what y'all doing in here? Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm really excited about where this is gonna go. We've got some questions. Edward the Third wants to know why one Magneto helmet is toppled over with green ooze in that first page. I've been trying to figure that out from the start. They clearly have significance since the page is repeated with Storm. Yeah. Edward goes on to say that a lot of high concepts in ROM, Resurrection Magneto, felt a little over my head at times, but hoping it all comes together. And I think that, you know, it's that's what we're talking about. That's what we're talking about. Like, hey, if it feels over your head, don't feel bad mm-hmm. because it's over a lot of people's heads, all of our heads, until we do the research to try to figure that out. Well, I'm... I'm... I'm unsure what the green ooze represents, but I believe that like each helmet is representing a cup and the idea is that these three cups are spilled over and that we are needing to move forward to kind of see what is in our leftover cups, our cups that have not spilled, but his attention is drawn to the cups that have spilled. And when you look at them, two out of the three have red, which assuming is blood. And so it's like, you know, like the people that you've killed or the lives that you've taken or like whatever violence has happened to you in the past, like letting that go and moving forward. But it is interesting that one of them is green news and like what could that green news represent is like really intriguing. You know, the first thing that my mind went to is Polaris Mm. being of the three known canonical children of Magneto Mm. that are active characters, the one that is very green, Mm. right? I don't know that that's going to be on the nose about that, but that's what made me think of is is his connection to Polaris, her even now in the comics filling the role of him mm. as he's gone. Well, it's interesting too that the three that are knocked over are like the very traditional like evil villain twirly yeah. mustache Magneto right. costume where the other two are like this like the black costume and the white costume and like the white costume is this like Krakoan age self. And like, I don't know what the black one is. Is that like when he was a teacher and stuff like that? Like, uh, the black one is like revolutionary. mm, So it's just just interesting to see like the amount of thought and detail that has gone into every aspect of that piece of art. Yeah. JP did Omaso wondering our thoughts on the waiting room being completely empty. And I thought that that was just, it, it kind of hurt a little mm. emotionally, but also was understandable that that would be the journey of these mutants. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody on Earth is holding out that we have this thing, we have this ability, we have this long queue, people that we can't even reach, and that they would come back in this way. And it's 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 crazy because I never I've never thought that we would reset completely to have everyone back on the board. Right. Right. 
So is this saying that not everyone can be recovered? Is this kind of splitting from the idea of Krakone resurrection that we can put everyone back on the board repeatedly? I think that it also plays with the idea of like, do these people want sure. to be brought back? And do they feel trapped in whatever path they chose in their afterlife? Or have they made peace with where they are? And they know that like, maybe they don't want to be resurrected or, you know, they're not like they're... There's some peace in the idea that they're not just waiting to be brought back to their life, but they're deciding to move forward with where they are in the waiting room. And I think that that's interesting. Yeah. Positive fan was impressed by Resurrection of Magneto, but hoping we get more Magneto going forward. Wait for issue two. He will be our focal point. Galatagraphico said Re Resurrection Magneto blew him away. Comic hmm. Extracts thinks... Vecchio is a vastly underappreciated artist. Time to revisit the epic Iceman scroller. Agreed. Gene mm. Queens thought this issue was tough going. We feel like Ewing had porridge prose on the page wherever there was either dialogue or captions with moments of electric poetry. We wish he would fully embrace his poetic side, even if it means under-explaining scenes. Tarmian mm. Caring sounds almost like Clayface from the Harley Quinn Max cartoon. We're grateful for his unintentional humor, and maybe only that will make this miniseries with its foregone conclusion outcome sing. Mm. I think that that is interesting in that, like, the wordiness is is a thing that I've struggled with in the past. Um, Trying to capture all the to concepts. capture it and... and I like the idea that like it's okay to have it be this poetic thing that we have to interpret but also when you're setting something up at the beginning there's so much that you want to make sure that people understand that maybe there's some hope that that can kind of happen throughout yeah. that like now we've we've dumped all the this world knowledge on you so now we have some time to play with where does that go next and and how can we be a little bit more elusive with what we're dropping for Hinting you to read towards, yeah. right yeah got some storm love coming up damascus blade loves storm so much as the comic book beardies omg the whole storm risking her life for magneto hearts mm -hmm. the issue was jam-packed with aurora being exactly who she is at the core of her character doing what is right loved it and the art was magnificent yes agree yeah. agree agree agreed all around vaderino praise tar in all caps <laughs> the fact that we're getting into the waiting room has me thrilled I have been so curious about this place. Do you think the Phalanx Dominion was the same Dominion Stasis consumed in that one alt timeline? Hmm. And that's interesting, right? Because that is interesting. It's beyond time and space, so that could be at a different point. Right, and like it is interesting that it has been consumed, so it is now in some form of yeah. I'm not death, sure, but how is it that dead? Happens. I don't know. But that's an interesting point to think about. But I feel like. At this point, we my brain has reached the <laughs> maximum amount of deciphering that it could do for one issue, and sure, I might sure. fall down if I try right, to do any right. more. Uh, I think it definitely could be, but I also think the fact that we're introducing multiple dominions mm -hmm. and concern from these multiple dominions that this outside Enigma force, it would make sense for it to be a different version of or a different timeline's dominion result. Mm-hmm. Open to both. Comic Extract said it was so amazing that the Phalanx Dominion in Resurrection of Magneto looks exactly like the one in Hoxpox, the orange burning circle. That's great storytelling. I need to reread Hoxpox. Also, 
Is the tower in Resurrection of Magneto a reference to the tower tarot card in Powers of Ten? Mm. It keeps getting deeper. Honestly, this issue blew me away across the board. Incredible art, narration, storytelling, deep cuts. It was an awesome issue. Take my six dollars. Yeah, I agree. Agreed all around. I think that there's definitely some things to the tower. There's definitely some callbacks. Ewing doing his homework on this being kind of like the the ghost ending to his Krakoan era, but also tying up some things of the overall Krakoan era. I would love connections back to the origins of Mm -hmm. Hawksbox. I feel like that's really good work. For sure. And I feel like they're there. I feel like those three cards in Hawksbox were very clearly tarot cards. To then have these references, there's at least some kind of connection there. Yeah. Warline starting us off with one thing is for certain, and that is Craig isn't going to have a good afterlife, courtesy of the King of the Dead, a.k.a. Black Panther, which is some some future knowledge of Black Panther that I'm not up on, but I've heard some inkling of. Mm. The book feels like Ultimates 5 or Defenders 3, but without being called either of those names and with Storm. And that's honestly something that Al has hinted towards, that this is serving as just a, a part two or a part whatever continuation of his plots, his stories, his concepts that he's been working on. And us is not excited about Al's version of Tarn and Mrs. Zeb's version of Tarn. I think it's an interesting distinction between the two. Mm. I, I do love all Tarn and I'm here for the kind of poetic and mess with people and vengeful Tarn that we have right here. But also having just read those issues of Zeb's Tarn, Man, I love that guy. Well, I think that the, this version of Tarn is like... He's evolved. Yeah, he's evolved and he's he feels like he needs some kind of justice for himself. And right. that'll definitely change a, a person's perspective. So I think if we take that as a layer of who he was to who he is now... But I know what you're saying. Like, praise Tarn. Yeah, you know? right, right, praise right, Tarn. right, right, right. Uh, a lot of talk about the cosmos, the beyonders, time being not linear... Would this bring in Eddie Brock, another character that Al has been writing to have been beyond linear timeline, to be this unbeyonder? Interesting dissection of the cosmos, the second cosmos, the fifth cosmos. He wants to hear me explaining the cosmos concept to you because your brain explodes with time travel and time travel isn't as convoluted as the cosmos. I bet the microphone will explode. And and I think it's it's... Getting to the point of, it's funny because we were messaging back and forth and I said that I was doing a little research on Adam Brashear for this issue and he was like, oh, well, you got to read this and this and this. And I was like, A no, little research. No, 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 no. I'm doing like broad strokes. What's the the amount that I need to know? And it's the same explanation of the cosmos. It's it's the next iteration of the multiverse that we're in. Mm-hmm. And we're in the eighth one. And that's all I'm getting into. Yeah, that's <laughs> Cause, enough. Cause it blew my mind away as well. You know, all of these reboots of the multiverse through Hickman and through actions previously. It's it's interesting and links back to a lot of ideas from Hoxpox as well. Do we think the names beside Magneto are really his victims' names? And I think that that would be an interesting nod, especially as he's kind of the penance of his life, mm. the the weight of what he's done. And just his physical reaction at the end of this book. I think it could be. I'm I'm not completely sure because I didn't Google any of those names or I didn't like kind of dive into it, but mm. it's possible. 
Yeah, I think I, I didn't even think of that before because I was just looking at like the visual presentation of it looked like a memorial. Yeah. Right. But I mean, it wouldn't make sense if it's also it's a, a memorial of people, right? right that he his regret, killed, right? his grief, the things that he's done in this life. Right. It's interesting. It, it kind of reminds me, this isn't the first time we've had Magneto kind of reborn mm. from his sins, right? X-Men 200 being... He was de-aged to a baby and re-aged to a man. Yeah, we can't try him as that. He's... Let's not get there, though. Let's uh, not do that again. We'll see. We'll see. I just remembered this and I wanted to bring it up in some interesting conversation through a couple of people that I've been talking to on Instagram. Mm -hmm. and questions around, okay, so if Al always intended to kill and then bring back Magneto, why? What was the point of killing him? Right? Mm. And And some trying to read into that right was he too much of a threat against orcus would that have made an imbalance versus the fight if he was there all along interesting point that we arrived at through these conversations was it intent to give charles the characterization and motivation and, and kind of direction that he then went in with that weight of the founders of Krakoa feeling this responsibility mm. over not having the counsel of his friend, which made me think like, was this a male fridging? Was this a <laughs> death of a character for the character growth of another? Which I yeah. just thought was an interesting concept. Yeah, because to we were just about. talking about that. We were just thinking about it yesterday, uh, last week. Yeah. yeah, I think that's interesting. I feel like I would be more inclined to think of it as something for Charles and less to think of it as that magneto would be the too big a bad too big a bad for orcus because what orcus did was like seedy and like i just don't think that they like let's say magneto was at the gala like i don't think he would have been able to stop what orcus did especially because of stark mm -hmm. referencing the fact that he made countermeasures for magneto's ability right, and right. that has been baked into the stark right. right and so, so so i think that that is interesting to think of it in that way but i also wonder if it was like is it the opposite? Is it not about Charles? Because Al wasn't telling that story. Sure. Right? Was it about Storm? Well, uh, was it a fridging for the benefit of Storm? Actually, he was telling. He wasn't telling that story specifically, but the interaction between Storm and Magneto as he's dying, where he makes that prediction of what Charles he'll martyr us, like he'll right. be this. So he actually did tease that as the idea in Magneto's dying words. Yeah, but I think even if Magneto was still alive. He wouldn't be he wouldn't be counsel for Charles. No, like he would have left, left him yeah. already, right? So it could we could flip it and say that this was he died and needed to be resurrected for the benefit of Storm. Sure. As a character. And for the benefit of himself, right? right. To to feel as though this was his place, this was his journey, but then to find, no, this is not where I am needed. I am needed for my people who are alive, who who need this force, this guy to stand up for them as mutants. Yeah. That's really interesting. Well, we'll, we'll hopefully we'll learn more. We'll see. That's this week. That was a good wow. week. It was a great week. Two issues that pack a punch like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What's coming next week? We get the one-two punch of kind of like big concept and further slash. Oh. Dead X-Men number one. Ooh. Big concept. We saw some preview pages come out recently that I read and... Um, okay, yeah. I don't want to know, but I'm Ooh, excited. There's some stuff for you. <laughs> Wolverine number 42 is our other book. Ah. So two books again next week. I like two books I like two when books they're this well. hefty too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Especially, you know, number ones, they have the, the juice to dig yeah, into. Yeah, And I think that that other than X-Men Forever, I think that those are all of our titles. Everything is... Because, well, for Fall of X, because Miss Marvel Mutant Menace is after... It's kind of, yeah, I think that will be a bridge title that mm. takes us from 
fall of the house of x to whatever's next in the perspective of miss marvel on her own yeah that makes sense having the weight of mutant society but also the responsibility of her kind of being this avengers level character Ooh, i'm excited I think that, that might come out in march mm, okay if i remember correctly well, we we're gonna have more things to chew on always until next time, old friend. Charles, come and get me. No, storm is coming. Thanks so much for joining us today on the Ex-Wife Podcast. Be sure to leave us a review and tell your friends. The Ex-Wife Podcast is produced in Providence, Rhode Island by Alicia and Justin. Our music is by Quan. <laughs>